Amen. As we gather today for worship, I do invite you to take just a couple of deep breaths, maybe two or three, just to help ground yourself in this place and in the space as we gather this morning. So grace and peace to you today, and now let us worship God together. Good morning. Standing or sitting, let us join together in the call of worship. As we gather for worship today, our, our lives are in God's care. God has always and will always be with us. Our spirits are in God's embrace. Let us worship God in hope and peace. Our, Our hearts, hearts are filled with God's incredible love. seated. Welcome to worship here at Westminster. We're so glad that you're here. As school has resumed for many or resumes this week, we see a lot of families returning. Or perhaps this is your first Sunday here, and if that's the case, a special welcome to you. We hope you feel at home here. A couple of things you can do to help us be connected or get connected is uh, if you're new here and you would either scan this QR code on your phone 
during or after the service. You can leave us your contact information there, or you can fill out uh, those pads that are in the pew that we hope you will pass down and back later in the service. That way we can have record that you were here and you can leave contact information so we can connect with you and we can get to know you more and you have a way to ask us questions as well. We hope all of you stick around after for some fellowship time. There are refreshments that are set up in Finley Hall just through this hallway and to the left. And as you'll hear about again later, there's a special meet and greet for those with younger ones in the playground. Just hang around as long as you want afterwards, have some snacks so that families can get connected and you don't have to be in that demographic to go out there. In fact, it's really one of the nice things about church is it's one of the few places left where the generations can mingle. So feel free if you uh, don't have young children to make your way to the playground afterwards as well and offer a warm welcome to some of our younger families. With that, let's join in prayer as one body with the community prayer that you'll find in your bulletin. Let us pray. Transforming God, too often we live in selfish ways that make us feel good rather than honoring you in our words and deeds. Show us the path to faithful living. Teach us how to build beloved and just communities. Help us to do your work in this world. Empower us to plant seeds of love, faith, and hope. May your grace always guide us. Amen. And our prayers continue in quiet. Friends, hear the good news of the gospel. In Christ there is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Know that we've been forgiven. Know that we have been set free and be at peace. Amen. One of the ways that we build up the community is that we check in at the beginning of the service and we share joys or sorrows, concerns or questions we're carrying that we might know what's going on in one another's lives and uh, when appropriate, hold one another in prayer. So if you have a joy to, or a concern to share, just raise your hand and shout it out. Yeah, Diane. Thanks. Diane offers and actually requests your prayers for her friend Lois who lost her husband from Parkinson's recently. Others. Yeah, Barb. Yeah. So it really helps a lot, and I just want to thank you very much from the families. Thank you for sharing that bit of news, Barb. So, um, as you know, we gather diapers actually all week long, any Sunday, but we make a particular emphasis on the first Sunday of the month as a reminder for you to bring diapers in. We've got a nice wagon out there 
uh, in the narthex that you can place them in. These go to families in need. And Barb was reporting that she was working at the food bank, bank and thus encountered some of the families who've been the recipients of those. And they expressed just how grateful they are for that. So thank you for that good work. And please keep it up. Ruthie, yeah, please. Yeah. Um, thanks be to God. Clark mm. as well. Uh, yes. Recovering from having had another uh, fainting episode this time while driving. So we're grateful no one else was injured and uh, hopeful that now he has had enough analysis to figure out what's causing that. Yeah, we, our hearts are with Ruthie and with Clark today. Ruthie's husband, Clark, has had a, kind of a mysterious bouts of, of fainting. And he happened to have one over the weekend while driving and was in a, a pretty serious accident if you look at the pictures of the car. Thankfully, no one else was injured. Clark was injured, but is okay. He's had some surgery and he's recovering. And we're hoping now this could lead to some answers. But heart definitely goes out to you um, as the caregiver and partner and to Clark as well. Others? Yeah, Karen and then Deb. Mm. So he received monoclonal antibodies at the start of his uh, at the start of COVID. It seems to be responding really well. That's worst case scenario. Yeah. Karen lifts up her nephew who's got Hodgkin's disease. Is that right? And um, also came down with COVID. So that's a little scary. Thank you, Deb. Please. If you, could, if you couldn't hear that, Deb is a, a relatively new member, but Deb and Force have jumped in with both feet, which is wonderful. It's the best way to get connected, and she's long wanted to do mission work, and here we are. They're leading, they're leading a trip that uh, outreach birth through Carol Kaufman and others to Kentucky that some of us will be going on in just a few weeks' time to do some recovery work from the tornado damage of years past. Yeah, please, Denny. Denny mentions his uh, oldest son who's been diagnosed with Parkinson's. Certainly thinking of you all. Uh, yes, Carol, please. Oh, gosh. What was the name again? Okay, so Carol asked for prayers for Larry, who 
also had some complications from Parkinson's and ended up in the hospital. Let's come together in prayer then. Holy One, in just a few moments, it becomes clear the things that we carry, the people that we love, that we carry around in our hearts and our concern for them. We give thanks for a beloved community in which to share these things. We pause as well in gratitude for the good things in our life and the possibilities for goodness and joy. We ask your blessing upon the things that have been shared and those unshared yet still important in our hearts. We offer these prayers, O God, we offer all our prayers in the name of Jesus the Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. And I should have added to our joys uh, to have Eleanor with us playing piano today. Eleanor is one of Brit's piano students, and I had the joy of hearing her at 8.30, so now it's your turn.
is the Sunday of the month when we offer a blessing uh, for those who've had a birthday or having a birthday this month, or if you missed your birthday month, I invite you to come forward and just stand up here on the steps. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or a bad winter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's a poem for you for your birthday month. Kindness by Naomi Shihab Nye. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt water in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all this must go so you know how desolate the landscape can be. Between the regions of kindness, how you ride and ride thinking the bus will never stop, the passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the window forever. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you, how he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore, only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to gaze at bread, only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you have been looking for, and then goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. So even as you go through all the other deep things in life, may this year you find kindness on the other side, waiting to be with you like a friend. Happy birthday. Jim, if you want to stay up for the time of discovery, that's fine. <laughs> At my last church, we didn't always have children. So whenever we did the children's time, we would just say young and young at heart. Because sometimes we needed to recruit from the second youngest ranks, like the 70-year-olds. 
Oh, good. And bring your backpacks if you have them. If you don't, it's okay. Wow, it's so great to see so many of you. How fun. One of the hardest things about this past couple years for us, maybe not for you, is that we've missed seeing so many of you here on Sundays. There are a lot of people out there that look forward to this moment just because they get to see your shining faces. So what a joy. And maybe it's your first time, and that's even an extra special joy for us. Today is a Sunday that we call Blessing of the Backpack Sunday. Now, we're not really worried about your backpacks, but for us, it's just, it's a symbol, a sign that the school year has started, and we want to bless you the beginning of your school year. Now, you might be wondering, well, why would we do that in church? Because that's what we do in church. We come and we pray to God, and we seek God's blessing on us, God's loving touch on us. And we come to church to learn how to be God's loving touch for others. And we come to church to ask for God's loving touch for others. Now, I'm not going to be able to ask everybody this question, so I'm just going to pick a few people who raise their hands. But I wonder, with school starting again, you don't even know the question. <laughs> but I bet you'll have a good answer. I wonder how you're feeling about the beginning of school. Anybody want to raise their hand and share? Yeah, I'll give you a chance since you went first. Yes. Oh. Good. You're feeling good. And, and, and yeah, just like that in a word or two. Yeah. You're not feeling anything yet because it hasn't started. What do you, how do you think you're going to feel about what next week or whenever it starts, Alexandra? Nervous but excited. Yeah, Louisa. Excited. In the back, yes. I'm really excited. Really excited. What about you? I'm not. <laughs> you're not what? Oh, you're excited too, yeah. I'm guessing that there, if I asked everybody here, I would hear some of the same answers, and I'd hear some different answers. I'd hear some that were really happy and joyful and positive, and some that were negative, either um, um, nervous or scared or maybe even mad or disappointed. And when I say negative, don't hear me as saying bad because how you feel is how you feel. And that's okay. And the good thing about church is church is a place that can hold all your feelings just like God can listen to all your feelings. So I want you to know however you feel, it's just fine. And God's going to meet you right there and love you anyway. And we will too. So, what I want you to do now is come and stand on these steps, maybe one or two rows. Bethany might help arrange you and face the congregation because these people love you. And if you have your backpack, put it on. And if you don't, you can put an imaginary backpack on. Now, what I want you to do, I'll get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> You can always holler at me to get out of the way. It's okay. I want you all, I'm over here, to imagine something, okay? I want you to imagine that your backpack carries all kinds of things, not just pencils and crayons and lunch and maybe homework assignments or, uh, or books. But I want you to imagine, if you can, that your backpacks always also carry these things. 
the well wishes of all these people, all these adults, the love of your family, the goodwill of your teachers, all the people in the world who are rooting for you to have a good and a safe school year. In a moment, and Bethany, they're under my chair. Do you mind grabbing the pins? We're going to pass out little pins. Now, you've got to be careful with them. You might ask an adult to help you put them on your bags because I don't want you to get poked. They say peace on them. And we want that to be a reminder when you're at school to look down, to be remi reminded that God loves you and we love you just like you are. So, before we pass out the pins, let's say a prayer. Dear God, you're really good at beginnings. You've begun lots of things. You began the whole world. You began each of us. And sometimes for us, beginnings are exciting. Sometimes we can't wait for the start of something new. But sometimes new things make us nervous, maybe even a little afraid. And sometimes we're not entirely sure how we feel. So today we, thanks, we give thanks for all the people that work to make school good and safe. We thank you for students who stretch to learn new things, for teachers who devote their life to helping students grasp new things, for custodians and maintenance staff who keep things running beautiful and smooth, for staff and volunteers, parents who help in so many ways. God, we ask that you bless these children as they return to school. May they face the school with wonder and curiosity. May their teachers recognize that in them. Help them to make and to be good friends. Bless their families that the day's routines may be supportive for everyone. As they look on the pins that we're about to give them, may they remember how loved they are just as they are. Amen. Now, we're going to pass these out, but before you go... We're going to, this is the first Sunday since the summer that we're going to break into two classes. So Grayson, come on down. Grayson is going to take people in second grade and below. And if you're new here, uh, there are maps out there. But I'll tell you now, the children will, um, their classroom is upstairs and down the hall. But they'll probably, they, yeah, and you have to go pick them up there afterwards. You can see one of us if you're not sure where to go. So if you're in second grade and under, in a moment, you're going to go with Grayson. Okay, Peter, you want to come on down? This is Peter. If you're third to fifth grade, you're going to go with Peter down the hall into the uh, preschool building. Okay? So as soon as you have your pin, you can go with your teacher. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may. Does he know where he's going? And, and also, families should know that kids can always stay in worship, too. They don't always have to go to Sunday school. Okay. <laughs> Whoa, are your hearts as full as mine? Oh, seeing all those kids. God bless their souls. Our scripture reading this morning... <laughs> I thought it was clapping. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Deuteronomy. My father, who was a great student of the Bible, called this book, Deuteronomy. <laughs> Listen for how the Spirit, though, speaks through these particular words. 
Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you nor your son or daughter, your male or female slave, or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident alien in your towns, so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Our second reading this morning is from the Gospel according to Luke. Continue to listen for the how the Spirit may be speaking to you. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. This too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. So to those of you who know me, it probably comes as no surprise that I am a rule follower. <laughs> I love to follow the rules. It's been that way ever since I was a child. In fact, I, I really didn't get in trouble that much as a child because I always wanted to follow the rules. This was much to the dismay of my younger sister who thought that I should have paved the way a little better for her in the rule breaking. but. It's just, it's ingrained in me. So fast forward to now, and I am married to someone who, I'm not going to say is a rule breaker, but who bends the rules a little more than I do. Let's put it, let's put it that way. Uh, I remember one story happened a long time ago. This was probably, I don't know, 18 years ago, but it is burned in my mind. We were up at Bodega Bay at the beach with our two dogs at the time. Now, it was a beach that allowed dogs, so that rule was being followed just fine. However, the dogs were supposed to be on their leash, but it was very empty that day, and we knew our dogs were very well behaved. So Cammie convinced me that we could let our dogs off the leash, and it would be just fine. Um, caused me a little anxiety, but okay, 
we'll give it a try. And, and actually, things were going very well. Dogs were behaving themselves just fine. But then I looked up, for some reason, I looked up behind me at the parking lot that's like up on the bluff. And what should I see driving in but a ranger truck? <laughs> panic, total panic. And the first words out of my mouth, I'm not sure I even gave them thought. The first words out of my mouth were, Ranger, run! <laughs> not my finest moment. My, my first instinct was to evade the law enforcement. <laughs> and, and we were on a wide open beach. There's like, there's nowhere to go. <laughs> and I was, at the first service, I stopped my story there and everyone was like, well, what happened? Um, so thankfully, the ranger was doing something just up in the parking lot and never actually came down to the beach. So we, all was okay except my heart rate, which was pounding. All this to just to show you how much of a rule follower I am. And because of that, I read this story from Luke's gospel through a very specific lens. And when I read this story, I will say that I identify quite a bit with that synagogue leader. That synagogue leader who is often cast as the villain in this story. Um, and I can understand why he may be looked down upon in this story because something amazing has just happened, right? Jesus has done this miracle, this woman who the story says was bent over for 18 years. And scholars think that it wasn't just like a slight hunch. They think that she may have literally been bent over at a 90 degree angle, really only able to see the ground in front of her for 18 years. And then with some words and a touch from Jesus, she's finally able to stand up straight. I mean, this is a miraculous event. It said that the people were rejoicing in what had happened. Everyone, that is, except that synagogue leader. The story says that he was indignant. Come on, what does he have to be upset about? This is a great event. The problem is this event happened on the Sabbath. The one day out of the week where no work is supposed to happen. I don't know, but I'm guessing if this had happened on any other day of the week, the Sabbath, the synagogue leader likely would have been rejoicing alongside everyone else. But the fact that this has happened on the day when no work is supposed to take place upsets him. So often the villain. And I, you know, part of me wants to say, come on, man, lighten up. Don't be such a naysayer. But the bigger part of me, the rule follower, understands him absolutely. Rules are important. You know, we have rules and laws in order to enable our society to function, right? If, if he lets this little one incident slip, you know, what other rules might be broken here and there, and then all of a sudden, you know, we've devolved into chaos. So I get it. That being said, Jesus in this story isn't necessarily breaking the rules. You know, the Sabbath law, as described in Deuteronomy, is a little vague. So we heard Sharon read it. This is what it says. Observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. Of course, that begs the question, what is work? How do we define work? 
So from the time that this law was written down all the way to the time of Jesus, all kinds of scholars took a crack at that question. What is work? And this law, along with many of the other laws in the time, started to be defined as the years went by stricter and stricter and narrower and narrower until we get to the time of Jesus when it's all about legalism and a very specific interpretation of how the laws should be lived out in daily life. But then comes Jesus. Jesus, who we know is all about love, not so much about very specific legalism, and he starts encouraging the people to maybe reinterpret some of these ancient laws, to take another look at how these laws are being lived out in their community. Now, Jesus was very clear. He did not come to abolish the law. You know, he was a fan of the law. He just came, in his words, to fulfill the law, to encourage people to think about what the law meant in their lives. In fact, especially in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus has all kinds of teachings that begin with, you have heard it said, and he'll offer one of the laws of the time. But then he'll follow that with, but I say to you, and then he'll offer a reinterpretation of that law. Right? Again, not abolishing it, just encouraging the people to think about how they might live that law in their lives with love, with grace, with understanding. And that's exactly what he's doing in this story. You know, he reminds the people that this Sabbath law, again, as described in Deuteronomy, really came about to remind the people that they were once slaves in Egypt. They were once slaves who never got a day off who had to work all the time. And then God freed them. So honoring the Sabbath day is not about being bound by rules and regulations. No, instead, it's about release from bondage. It's not about anxiety about what we can and cannot do. No, instead, it's supposed to free us to focus on God. That's what the Sabbath is all about. So there's a Presbyterian pastor named Marianne McKinnon Dana. She has some young children, and she and her family decided that they were going to start to better incorporate Sabbath into their daily lives. And she wrote a book about it. It's called Sabbath in the Suburbs. And she says that one of the very first questions she asked herself is, what is work? Right? And she goes on to explain this. She says, we have a child who's barely out of diapers. Our daughters are only self-entertaining for periodic bursts. There's a basic level of upkeep involved just in everyday living. Another gray area, she says, I'm a hopeless cleaner as I go. If I'm walking upstairs and see a pair of shoes that need to be taken up, what do I do? And if it's, say, a 10-pound laundry basket instead of a simple pair of shoes, does that make a difference? Oh, and what about food? Cooking is work, and mealtimes are a big chore around here right now. All these decisions have my mind spinning. You can feel her anxiety starting to get worse and worse and worse simply around following the Sabbath. We can so easily get bound up in that which is supposed to release us. So according to Jesus, what better way to honor the Sabbath than releasing this woman from that which has bound her for 18 years? 
For Jesus, this is not breaking a rule, but fulfilling it. So we have Jesus on one side, we have the synagogue leader on the other side, both with very different opinions about this issue, both not wrong. Now this is when it starts to get very complicated and cause the rule follower a little more anxiety. What do we do? However, Jesus assures us it doesn't have to be complicated because remember Jesus teaches over and over again that what we do always is to choose love, is to choose grace. You know, if there is a rule or a law or a tradition that is causing someone not to be able to flourish, then perhaps we need to re-examine it. Now, this is also a really fun story to teach our our Sunday school kids. Can you imagine? So, children, we're going to hear today about how Jesus challenged the rules. And then we're going to think about how we can be like Jesus. (laughs) You might guess that we don't exactly teach it that way. Instead, what we do is we focus on the fact that Jesus was always looking for ways to be more loving, right? To be more welcoming, to be more inclusive. And sometimes that did ruffle some feathers. And then, yes, let's think about ways that we can be more like Jesus, You know, a little challenging for the kids, a little challenging for the adults. How do we find that balance? That balance between following the rules that do hold us together as a society and also following God, who calls us to live with love for one another, something that also holds us together as a society. Author and theologian David Lose wrote a great article on this. He called it the law of love. And I want to share just a little bit of that with you. He says the law matters because it helps us order our lives and keep the peace. The law matters because it sets needed boundaries that create room in which we can flourish. The law matters because it encourages us to look beyond ourselves so that we might love and care for our neighbor. But, he says, as important as law is, it must always bow to mercy, to life, to freedom. Law helps us live our lives better, but grace creates life itself. Law helps order our world, but grace is what holds the world together. For above and beyond all the laws ever received or conceived, the absolute law is love. You know, I think about this when I listen to all our current debates on how to interpret the law of our day and age. Just a couple of examples. What do we do with the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, and a law that was written before machine guns were ever invented? What do we do about figuring out the right to abortion? What do we do about figuring out the right to read what you want from your library? The list goes on and on and on and on. And as Jesus and the synagogue leader showed us, it's possible to be right on a lot of different sides of any given issue. So just as Jesus calls us to interpret our laws and our rules with grace, He also calls us to hold one another in grace. You know, a little more from David Lose, a challenge, actually. He says, let us look at those around us as children of the same God, 
Resist the urge to assume we know the law better than others and know that others are living with very different realities than we are. Makes me wonder how we as a church community might help to share that reality of God's love and God's grace. Makes me wonder how we can promote an environment that encourages flourishing and freedom. I read with interest British author Anne Morrissey, who's done a lot of work around inclusion and religion. And she has what she calls three hallmarks of healthy religion. See if you maybe see our church community in these hallmarks. Healthy religion does not indoctrinate, but helps people think for themselves. Healthy religion invites humility about what we think we know. Healthy religion invests in what it is for and not what it is against. You know, I hope that those describe our Westminster community. You know, I hope that we are not dictating how people must follow the rules, but instead are inviting people into a choice to follow God's love and God's grace. You know, I hope that we are always looking to learn and to grow and are even willing to change when necessary. I hope that we're not setting ourselves up in opposition to people or structures or ideas and instead are always looking to build bridges, to build community, even with those who follow the rules differently than we do. Which leads me to Lois's concluding statement. He asks the question, how is Jesus inviting us even now to release others from bondage and set them free? even if it means suspending or revising our own sense of the law. I know this is scary, he says. Will things fall apart if we get it wrong? But that's the way it is with love. No guarantees, no absolutes, no assurance of having it turn out the way you thought it was supposed to, except this. The God who gave the law out of love continues to love us and all the world, no matter what. Amen.
to put these gifts to work. Amen. Yes, you may be seated. There are always several announcements that you can find in your bulletin and on the e-news, but a few more to share. And the first one isn't so much an announcement as it is a plea for help. Our high schoolers gather only during the fall and spring, and many of you know that it's not the easiest of times to be growing up. And a lot of you have asked what you can do to help. And so one of the things you can do to help is we continue to run into this wall every fall and spring because our high schoolers tend to teach the pre-K to second class and the third through fifth grade class because the adults, all of us, won't do it. So, and well, because they're great at it. And they are very good at it, and we love that they have the opportunity to do that. But the only times that we gather are for about 10 to 12 weeks in the fall and 10 to 12 weeks in the spring. And so those weeks, we would really, really appreciate your help teaching the, again, the pre-K to second or the third to fifth grade classes. You maybe just can be there to help. It's only a half hour. You might only be able to do it one time, but that's one time that our high schoolers can actually gather with their friends and community, which we don't always get to do. So again, the first announcement is not an announcement as much as it is a plea for your help. You don't need a seminary degree. Again, our high schoolers are doing it. Uh, and the, for, on behalf of the children in that class, they need, to, they need more of the intergenerational relationships from this church and to know that all of us genuinely care about them, not only our high schoolers. So that is our first announcement. So please help us with that. Uh, see, Bethany, in particular, if you are even slightly interested, or even better, if you know someone that might be slightly interested, <laughs> tell her, write down all the names, and we will, we will come banging on your door. Also, uh, right after the service today, for those of you with those young children who are desiring more adults to help in your Sunday school classes, we're going to have a gathering again right outside on the, uh, outside on the playground, is what it's called. Uh, so, Look forward to seeing you there, and on September 11th, I believe it is, right, the in-gathering, September 11th? Yes. yes. September 11th is our annual in-gathering here. It is a wonderful time uh, of food and fellowship, and so we look forward to seeing you here for that as well. And so, on that last note, would you join us in singing our closing hymn by standing, if you are able, number 795.
a quick reminder, if you're looking for your children after worship, second grade and younger are up the stairs down the hallway. Third through fifth grade are down, all the way down this bottom hallway. So that's where you can find them. And now as you go from this place, know that God goes before us to guide us, above us to protect us, behind us to forgive us, with us to bless us. Go now in peace. Amen.